Welcome to the Better Than I Found It podcast. I'm Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor and your host. Today, I'm continuing my series where I highlight players on my current team, specifically seniors, to give you an inside look into the athlete, something you can't get from just watching him play and compete. Today's guest is first team All-American and senior co-captain Cooper Dossie from Austin, Texas. Cooper and I discuss a number of topics, including his recruitment to Baylor, a chronic wrist injury that actually turned out to be a blessing, and finally the important role his faith plays in his everyday life. Cooper, as you will hear, is more artist than scientist and plays the game with a great deal of passion. Let's get right to the interview. Welcome, Cooper Dossie, to Better Than I Found It. Thanks for having me, Coach. I'm happy to be on. Absolutely. Well, we've, we've had a little series started here of Baylor uh, golfers that are seniors. So you are the second one we've interviewed. Uh, Colin Cobra was the first. And I just want to say um, I think it's important today that we, we have a lot to talk about. But what I really want is I want Baylor fans and certainly the listeners of this podcast just to get to know you better. Just you're here as a fifth-year senior, we're going to talk about that, but uh, you're a great Baylor Bear. We're glad to have you here, and uh, we're getting ready to take the finals here in a couple of weeks, aren't we? Yeah, sadly we are, but <laughs> we I'm, are. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, that's great. Well, listen, tell me about how you got into the game. A lot of people have different stories about how they got to golf. Uh, certainly yours is unique, so tell me how you got to golf. Um, I've listened to most of your podcasts, and it's pretty similar to most of the guys, but um, I basically started golf before I was born. Um, <laughs> my grandparents are really, really involved in the game of golf. Uh, They're both USGA officials. My grandma took lessons from Harvey, Harvey Pinnock, and so um, I was born with a plastic, or it was actually like a stuffed animal golf club in my hand, uh, and I started hitting golf balls around the house. Uh, when I was little, and then uh, I started playing competitively um, when I was about five or six. And so I'd say that my grandpa Nub and my grandma Carolyn um, were the two um, most beneficial people in my life growing up for golf, um, just because of their history with it and how much um, encouragement and time that, that they spent with me trying to make me better. Uh, and then my parents as well. Um, my mom has had two hole-in-ones. Um, so she can play. My dad's played more golf in the last year than he has probably over the last 10 years. And then I guess another important stat is that my grandma's had nine hole in ones. So, uh, that's basically, and then I've got two brothers and they both play. So, okay. Well, so it's definitely a golfing family. Uh, didn't probably wasn't going to start out that way. If it hadn't been for Nub and Carolyn, uh, maybe Trudy and Paul wouldn't have gotten you started <laughs> in golf. Maybe. Maybe. So did you play other sports? I did. Um, growing up, I played basketball, I played baseball, I played flag football. Um, I wasn't really allowed to play tackle, nor I didn't really want to, honestly. It was kind of small. Uh, but I probably played basketball till eighth grade, and I played baseball. I played till, um, goodness, probably fifth or sixth grade, and I think that was a, the hardest conversation with my uh, dad's closest friend when I was growing up was my coach and it was the decision to play golf over baseball because they're both hurting each other 
And so uh, those were the two main sports I played. Well, that's good. A lot. Most kids probably tried other sports. I did. I wasn't a very good at any of those other sports. <laughs> so it was easy for me to get to golf pretty quickly. But the uh, the only thing I could do was run. I was a fast runner, but I could do nothing else. So I don't know. I could run down the court, but I couldn't make the shot. So uh, you went along and started playing a lot of the Texas Junior Golf Tournaments and certainly the Legends Junior Tour, and you became a pretty well-known player on a national level. I, when I was still at Oklahoma State, I knew who you were, and I was I always had my eyes on Texas thinking I would recruit players from Texas. So I was already thinking about you, and I didn't turn out that because I got let go at Oklahoma State, so I never got to recruit you there. But So how did the recruiting process go for you a little, little bit? Because I know yours was unusual. Yeah, so... Um... I kind of had a breakout year, um, my sophomore year of high school. And around that time, uh, actually a year before that, um, or a few years before that is when uh, Brad Dockey committed to Oklahoma. And so I think that's, I think he started the upward trend for guys committing early. And so when I was in eighth grade, ninth grade, and 10th grade, it was stressful for me because you know, there was a huge increase of guys committing at a young age. Uh, and I was a good player, but I, I, I really didn't do too much on a national level uh, in middle school or my freshman year of high school. And so uh, I think that when I had my breakout year, my sophomore year, um, the stress of the recruiting process kind of got to me and I made a quick decision and I committed to Texas A&M. And uh, I still love, you know, most of those guys on that team that I would have played with. Um, and, uh, you know, Coach Higgins was uh, very um, – I'm very thankful that he gave me an opportunity uh, to commit to A&M. And, you know, as the years went by, I started playing better and better. And um, I had a pretty good junior golf career. And, uh, you know, you sign your national letter of intent uh, in November of your senior year of high school. And August before my senior year, my little brother Luke uh, came on a visit to Baylor. And this was your first or your second year it was as the coach here. Yeah. Uh, and so I think a funny story to add on to that is the whole year before Luke took his visit was your first year. And um, my mom and my parent, my, my, my whole family's gone to Baylor. It's been in my blood. And, you know, hey, give that stat. I, I think yeah. this is an amazing statistic. I've had 34 family members uh, attend Baylor, and a, f- a few of them actually played college sports at Baylor. Uh, and so uh, my aunt played basketball. But basically, I bled green and gold my whole life. And I think um, the year before you, or the first year you were here, my mom was always like, I think we should check out Baylor just in case, um, you know, that's where your heart is. And, you know, I, I, I never wanted to be disloyal to A&M because it's very rare to decommit in, in golf, but in other sports it's not rare. And so after Luke came home from his visit, uh, I had a pretty rough month because I was um, battling an inner battle of tr- uh, trying to figure out if I should go on a visit. Um, and like I said, uh with Coach Higgins offering me the spot. He was also very uh, gracious and allowed me to come on an, an, an official visit to Baylor uh, back in October. And uh, I walked on campus and I stepped foot in the business school. 
um, and I got chills. I'll never forget the moment, and uh, that's kind of when I knew that this is where I was supposed to be, and so I decommitted from A&M. I committed to Baylor uh, about a month before I signed, and so uh, yeah, I think it was a, it's a process that's a lot easier to talk about now. I think that when it first happened, uh, it was hard for me because people think that, you know, it's just a decision where oh, I'm not going to go to A&M anymore. I'm just going to go to Baylor. But at the end of the day, you do burn some bridges. Um, you lose some friends. But I know this is where God wanted me to be. And uh, I'm just really thankful that uh, Luke went on that visit because if he didn't, I don't think I would have manned up and decommitted. Well, you know, I, re- I remember thinking back at that. I, I didn't watch you hit a golf shot that first year I was in, in Waco on purpose because you'd already committed to A&M, and I had a lot of respect for J.T. Higgins, and I still do. So, But I did know you had a little brother, and so I was definitely going to recruit Luke. And Luke was quite a bit younger, two years younger. No, three years younger than you. Three years. And so I was watching him that summer, and he called me up one day and said, Coach, I'd love to come for an unofficial visit. Can I do that? Absolutely, Luke, no problem. And that's the visit that you're referring to. And I'd never in a million years dreamed that you would be a Baylor Bear. Uh, I think your mom always dreamed. <laughs> she did. <laughs> and Luke, uh, I think he was surprised when you, when you decided you wanted to go. Did that ever, was that ever a problem between you and Luke at all or not? I don't think so. I think that uh, for brothers, uh, it's hard uh, to um, maybe live in the spotlight of your older brother. Um, I think that's very common in in siblings, but I don't think people understand the relationship that I have with Luke and Sam and that, you know, I'm the oldest person, but I probably look up to them more than they look up to me. Uh, And so uh, it, it, it never caused any issues. We um, all of us wanted to play together at some point. So I think it's a relationship that is I'm very thankful for, and I can honestly say they're my best friends. Uh, and, yeah, there was no issues with Luke, but uh, I think that I'm excited that he ended up coming to Baylor as well. Yeah, it's been great. I, you thought you were going to have one year together. As it turns out, it's two years. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I will say this. You came on to campus in August of 2016. You were playing well. You had a lot of enthusiasm. And you played well from the start. You, you, I think, won our first qualifier, went to the first tournament. You never looked back. You were an All-American that year, and we had a great team. Let's talk about that freshman year. That's a good memory for me. Yeah, I had a great freshman year. Um, I had a lot, of, a, a lot of learning to do, but I think that I was so young uh, that, you know, the stupidity on the golf course didn't really catch up to me that year because uh, <laughs> I'm a competitive person and somehow worked my way around it and played a – I think I won one golf tournament uh, in the spring and down at the Golf Club of Houston. Uh, but I think that year was special because every tournament we traveled with the same five guys. And so uh, it seemed like there was a steady uh, trend of us working well together throughout the year. And um, it just so happened that we clicked at the right time and played well at nationals and uh, we made match play. And uh, I'll never forget playing OU and the ups and downs of that match and, you know, teeing off on hole 12 and seeing the the scoreboard of us being up in all five matches. And, uh, you know, I got my point against Blaine Hale, who's a good buddy of mine. Uh, Braden got a point. And so I'll never forget the um, emotional roller coaster that we went through that week. Uh, you know, I think uh, we've had some really good matches with OU over the years. 
and uh, I'll never forget uh, Matthew's last hole against Brad when he chipped in. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite moments at Baylor. Uh, and so I think freshman year was just really special because I learned that um, team success means more to me than individual success. Uh, when you win as a team, it's more gratifying. It it feels better uh, because, you know, you're all working towards the same goal throughout two semesters, and that's to win a national championship. Uh, and if you can pick up some wins on the way, uh, it makes uh, the hard work at home and the tournaments a lot easier because uh, you know that you can play together as a group. Uh, and so I've always stood by the statement since I got here uh, that, you know, my individual wins, they mean a lot to me, uh, but it feels a lot better when we win as a team. Well, that's good that you say that. That's a tough concept for a golfer to grasp a lot of times because it's such an individual sport. But I learned two things about you that first year. Uh, One of them was that you had an amazing short game. And you still do to this day. And I I hope you guard that short game like it's gold because it will take you a long way in this world of golf. I've nicknamed you Seve because I think I've – I have witnessed very few players, certainly on my team that I've coached. There was one that would rival you, and that would be Sean Einhouse at Oklahoma State. Had an amazing short game. But yours is just there. You can do so many things with a golf ball around the green. So I learned that about you, which I didn't really know because I didn't watch you play junior golf. So I I didn't know. Um, And then the other thing I learned was uh, that you are enormously competitive and I had this image because we're going to talk a little bit about your wrist injury that you've had that plagued you for two and a half years. But that freshman year while you were playing so well, uh, you started experiencing some pain in your upper forearm. Mm. And it was kind of starting to bother you in that spring season. I know we got some treatment for it, but um, I had this image of we, we played the Maxwell tournament up in Oak Tree in Edmond. And we had that arm wrapped up, and I'm sure you were on ibuprofen. I don't know what it was, but we were, you were hurting. You were hurting so badly that you could not hold onto the golf club through impact mm-hmm. with your left arm. You remember that? I do. It was like a baseball swing. It was literally like a baseball swing. It was the craziest thing. And you really only mishit one shot badly that week, and it cost you a, maybe a quad or a triple or something on a par four. Other than that, you, I couldn't believe you could even play that week. It showed me you had a lot. And then somebody told me the story of your senior year. At state because I was at a different class where you were you had a really bad back injury and you were um, just struggling to make it through and you, your team ended up winning the state championship and I think you won individually so my point is is I learned a lot about you I learned you had an amazing short game but I learned you've got a, a an unbelievable competitive streak and a, a determination that's fun to watch thank you yeah so the the other thing is uh, that I learned about you is an interesting thing. You have had a speech impediment that you've overcome. And you told me you were okay talking about it, so I let's am. talk about that. Uh, so I lived uh, – I've lived in Austin my whole life. And we uh, – through fourth grade, I lived uh, in the Arboretum down in Austin. And my home course was Great Hills. And uh, I had a really good buddy named Jack Zeitz. And so, you know, I think – I always, you know, I, I always thought I'd grow up with Jack and we'd never leave that area. And uh, come to fifth grade, we moved uh, to Steiner Ranch and my home course became UT Golf Club. And I think that uh, from the research that I've done on stuttering, um, is it, it develops from high stress. And so I did not 
um, I, I didn't like uh, the move of schools in fifth grade. I really loved the golf course move because it was a great upgrade for us to go to UT Golf Club and it made me a better golfer, but I didn't know anybody uh, when I moved there. And so uh, I wasn't a very social person. I was pretty shy back then. And I think that's where my speech impediment developed and it slowly got worse. And I've, I've done group therapy. I've done one-on-one therapy through middle school and it helped a little bit. And I'm sure to those listening that have heard me talk in person, you wouldn't know that I have a stutter, but to the guys that are back home in Waco and my close buddies back home, coaches, family, they know I have a stutter. And so it comes out uh, in different situations. Uh, the first one being when it's cold outside. Uh, and so sadly, we're getting to that time of year where it is colder. <laughs> and so it is going to come out a little bit more. And then it also happens, um, like I said earlier, in, in high stress situations. And so, for example, if I'm at a restaurant with a group of, with a group of people that I don't know, um, then I tend to stutter a lot more. And then another one is just on certain syllables or letters or sounds. And so I guess over the last couple of years in college, I've learned to own my stutter, um, but that it's not who I am. It's just something that I have. And so I'm not defined by it, uh, but I don't want it to leave because it makes other people laugh. It makes me laugh. And so uh, I think my sophomore year of college, I put stutter king on my putter. And then last year I put the four words that I stutter on the most at restaurants on my wedges, which are uh, vanilla shake, root beer, filet mignon, and Caesar salad, which I can say now, but <laughs> if we were at a restaurant, I'd probably uh, have a hard time. <laughs> well, so I, I didn't mean to bring up a speech impediment because uh, it was something, I thought for one, it'd be nice for people to know that you've you've overcome it. But I also wanted to know that one of the reasons you have overcome it, and I think it has been a serious faith the faith that you have, the the Christian that you are, you know God has has it in His plans for you to to be a stutterer, or you wouldn't have been one. But uh, talk talk about your faith a little bit because I think that's really really a big part of who you are and what you are. And I think if I can tie faith uh, with my stutter, I think uh, Moses had a speech impediment, and it mentions that in the Bible. But uh, yeah, I, I grew up in a Christian household. Um, my mom is an incredible. Uh, Christian lady um, who leads really, really well, um, whether it's younger people, um, you know, women the same age. And so um, that helped a lot. But my dad is just a really, really good man. Um, and I'm very thankful to have um, a father who is loving and encouraging, but leads me in a in a way like Jesus Christ would. And so, um, like I said, I, I grew up in a Christian household and my brothers, we push each other every day when we were growing up uh, to get in the Word. Um, and I can honestly say that Luke and Sam might be a step ahead of me in their walk. Uh, I think it's super humbling when I take a reality check and just see where they are and just learn from them. Uh, I think that there's a misconception that if you're older, you can't learn from someone that's younger. Um, but I probably have learned more from them than I have from many people that are older than me. Um, but I've always, I've always lived by what the Bible says and that, you know, you need accountability in your life. Um, you need someone that's older than you to pour into you. You need people that are like-minded that are walking alongside you. And then you also need to go pour into somebody else. Uh, and so 
I would not have been, or I would not have gotten to where I am without my faith. Um, I believe that every opportunity that I've had is God ordained, but I also am more appreciative of the people that God has put in my life than the trophies that I've won. Uh, I have some of the greatest friends back home, um, and I can name a couple of them, but Jacob Rockefeller, Tobin Niblett, uh, Josh Wren, and you know those guys, and Lucas Milet, those guys have really pushed me um, to be the man I am off the golf course, and yeah, I think that my faith is just important to me because it's what I grew up with, but it's also something that I've like I've taken ownership of. It's not my mom's anymore. It's not my dad's anymore. It's my faith. And so um, in terms of college, I've gotten to be really close with College Golf Fellowship. I've had a really strong relationship with them since high school. Um, our guy is Travis Wolf, and Travis has led me out of a lot of uh, dark, dark holes um, that I've had in college. Um, but I've also gotten really close with Marcus Jones and Brad Payne, who was on the podcast last week, a couple weeks ago, whenever this airs. Uh, but yeah, I think College Golf Fellowship is just something that's really um, helped me out. I think that it's kind of been a rock for me in college. Uh, sometimes you get the excuse of being too busy, um, but they're here consistently each week on Mondays, and they have retreats and um I'm just thankful that God has placed um, so many like-minded people in my life. Um, and uh, those relationships that I've had will um, be, are going to be more Im- important to me in 60 years than winning the Golf Club of Houston uh, college tournament my freshman year of college. So, Well, and, and trophies collect dust, relationships don't, and mm-hmm. I think it's really good that faith is that important to you, but it also says a lot about, it's, it's not easy to walk uh, as a Christian man in, in this secular world that we live in. It's not that easy, but it's also uh, a great opportunity and an unbelievable platform you have as an athlete. Yes, sir. And not just to thank God or uh, be glad and, and thankful when you do well, but also in, in your struggles, and you've had some in college, Let's talk a little bit. We talked briefly about your forearm injury and wrist injury your freshman year, but that that exacerbated itself and got worse and worse as time went on, and it became a real problem. Yeah. I think before I get into that, I just want to go off what you just said. Um, I think that I just mentioned a lot about my faith, but I think it's also important for the listeners to understand that I'm not perfect and I don't have it figured out. I'm not the best Christian man every single day. You know, I slip up. Um, I'm full of sin and I don't want anyone to think that I have this down perfect because I definitely do not. But I also believe that, um, that's why I have so many good people around me, um, to hold me accountable to that. But in terms of my wrist, um, that started my freshman year college, like coach mentioned. Um, and there really wasn't any, uh, diagnosis for what happened my freshman year, um, it, it, it would just get a core zone shot before postseason and hope it goes away. And it, it did. Uh, it went away for postseason. It went away for that summer. And then it came back at the end of my sophomore year, fall semester. And it came back pretty, pretty bad. Um, but again, there wasn't any um, clear readings on the MRI, on the x-ray. And so um, I got a, another cortisone shot uh, January of uh, 2018, and um, that lasted the whole spring semester, and 
uh, there was no pain. Uh, there was also no pain in the summer of 2018. And so I thought I was done with it. Um, and I think that that's kind of where I also struggled with um, placing my identity in golf. Uh, I thought that, you know, if my wrist was healthy and I played good golf and I had it all figured out. Um, and at this point I was playing really well. Uh, I had a good, for a good freshman year. I had a decent sophomore year for all the tournaments that I got to play in. And I had a really, really good start to my junior year. Um, we won the match play, um, that fall and I played decently well in the, in the stroke play events that we had. Uh, but I hit a shot, uh, the last tournament of the fall at, at Merido, um, and I just felt this weird sense of pain go up my arm. And I remember, I didn't tell the guys, but I told coach before the last round that I was dealing with some pain in it, but I didn't want the guys to know because it was our last tournament. And we finished the tournament, I get an MRI, and I had a couple cartilage tears in my wrist. And then my, um, oh, what is the term? I can't remember, but my basically... Um, on your, if you're looking at it, your left wrist, there's that bone that pops out on the left side of your, just before your hand and the tendon right there was popping in and out of place. And so if I were to, um, rotate my wrist in a 360 degrees, uh, it would, uh, uh it would have this clicking noise. Um, uh, but also anytime I took a divot, um, I wouldn't be able to continue through the ball. And so I ended up getting surgery, um, November 8th of 2018, and um, I was out for three months of golf and had no idea what to do with my life because that was the first time that I had really had golf uh, taken away from me because the previous two times I was still able to chip and putt, but this time I literally had nothing to do. Um, and I guess I can mention this, but for some reason, you know, God placed a wonderful girl in my life, my girlfriend Ashley, and it just so happened that we dated I started dating that semester, um, and I think that Ashley helped me a lot get through those three months. Um, it put a lot of things in perspective, and we're we're very um, like minded, and we push each other um, in in good ways. And 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 so I think that um, if looking back, uh, the best thing that came from my wrist injury was better golf after it but also Ashley. Um, and so I'm thankful for my wrist for many reasons. Um, I'm not someone who's going to go look at the negatives of what happened because um, I already did that in, in, in the moment um, when I heard it. But looking back now, there's many positives that have come from hurting my wrist. And I think that I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't have the opportunity to humble myself through my wrist injury. I think I would agree with that completely. And I remember the struggles you felt what they, you didn't feel like you were having. You were having the struggles when it first happened. Why is this happening to me? That type of thing. But you worked through that and you worked through it with your faith. And now you can look back and easily see that that wrist injury was sort of a defining moment for you. It's, it's certainly sent you on a, on a great path. So, But all during this time, so we, we've described uh, kind of your, uh, your injuries through college, but all during this time, I'm going to give some statistics here. Since you've been at Baylor, We've had the first number one ranking in the history of the school. We have had match play at the national championship. We've won 15 tournaments, two of those being the 2018 and 2020 match play championships, the Big 12 match play championships. We have, uh, you have been a first team All-American. You have been named to the Palmer Cup team. 
and you've been named to the Walker Cup practice team, which that did, it remains to be seen whether or not you'll be on the Walker Cup team, but you're at least invited to a practice squad. So a lot of great things. Plus, you've got the all-time lowest scoring average at Baylor, 71.68, and the lowest single season, 69.72 last year. So you've done a lot of amazing things, and our program has thrived since you've been here. So the golf part, no question. No question you've been a leader on the golf course. I'm thankful for that. But I'm also thankful for many of the things you've done off the golf course. One being you've matured a great deal. You would admit, I think, there were a lot of things you needed to mature from Mm -hmm. your freshman year on. And you played so well that freshman year. We gave you a pass. You sort of took a free pass. It's like everything's great. But you needed to to mature a lot, and you've done that. So because of all of that, uh, last year I made you a co-captain with Colin Cobert your senior year. And you guys were really, the team was rocking and rolling and doing great things last year, and then COVID came. So describe a little bit about your decision with Colin to come back and how that all came about. Yeah, so uh, since I've been in school, my best friend in Waco has been Colin Cobert. I hope he said the same thing. Uh, but no, I think, um, Colin has, uh, me and Colin are completely different people, but we're the same people at the same time. So what I mean by that is, um, I'm a crier. He's not a crier. Um, I'm an emotional person and you would never know if he's happy or sad, honestly, on the golf course. Um, he's extremely, extremely smart. I am not as gifted in that area. Um, but I think what we do have in common is our faith and, um, our competitive drive. And those two things have made our relationship very strong. And basically when coach gave us the opportunity to lead, we spent the whole summer prior to that, figuring out what we wanted to do differently than guys have done in the past. And I think that we've had some great leaders on our team in my time. Um, the one that sticks out the most to me right now is Hunter Shattuck. Uh, but Garrett, Braden, Matthew also did a great job. But I think, you know, a good leader is trying to see what worked well and making it a better strength, but also looking at the weaknesses that didn't work well and turning those into a strength. And so Colin and I, um, we really did have a lot of text conversations and phone calls back and forth, figuring out what we wanted to do differently. Um, and I think, we did a really good job uh, last year, and we're continuing to do it this year. And um, I think the reason why uh, we have done such a good job is we both don't lead um, to gain anything in return. Um, you know, guys uh, encouraging us for what we're doing or, um, you know, giving us positive feedback is not why we're leading. We're leading because we want to win a national championship, but we also want to create um, a culture of great young men at Baylor. Um, and so those two things have really um, driven us. And there's been frustrations along the way. There's been some um, very, very good highs on the way. Um, but I think that we counter each other extremely well. And that is, I mean, honestly, why we've led so well. And I'm just, I'm very thankful for my friendship with Colin uh, because it's going to be one that lasts for the rest of my life. I think that the the beauty of that is is you are so opposite from each other. There's very on the surface there's very sim- few similarities, but as you said, you're both competitive. 
and you both have a faith, so that's really, really good. And I was thankful when you both said you were coming back for another year because I knew, and you said that before the NCAA actually gave the additional year. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you forgot about that, but yeah. that actually happened the week before. You said, yeah, we want to come back if they allow it. When they didn't allow it, you guys both jumped on board, and it's great. You have a, a second run at a team captainship and a second run at a national championship that you may not have gotten otherwise. One of the things that, um, obviously, a lot has changed since you've been at Baylor. Uh, tons of things have changed, but you're here for a fifth year, so you probably never expected to be here at age at the age you are right now. <laughs> yeah. So you're a more mature kid. You've grown a lot. And uh, let's talk a little bit about this spring. So it's going to look a little different. Used to be we would almost always get on planes and travel everywhere. We're probably going to fly one time this spring. The rest of the time we're going to be in a van. I think we played twice in Houston, played once in College Station, once in Austin in your home, literally, literally in your backyard, mm-hmm. and then uh, the conference championships at Perry Dunes. So it's going to be a little different travel-wise. Yeah. Um, I think that I needed to come back this year, um, and I think I – I should speak to that a little bit because I forgot to, but it was an, a very easy decision for me to come back to school. Um, I think it lasted three days of thinking about it, and I realized that there were no opportunities to turn pro, and I wanted to come back with Colin and lead the team to a national championship. But uh, in terms of uh, next spring, uh, I'm just I'm thankful for COVID. Um, not because I mean COVID has been crazy for everybody. And my prayers go out to all the people that have lost uh, uh, members of their of their family from COVID. But I think um, for me personally, the the positive that came out of COVID was the opportunity to be back here. Uh, I don't think I was ready to enter professional golf last summer. I think that my game was. I was playing the best golf that I ever have in my life. But um, I've learned more in the past six months of who I am as a person but also what I need to do better in order to succeed on the, on the next level and not just get there. Uh, and so looking forward to the spring, um, if we can get to match play in the national championship, no one can beat us, 100%. We are the best match play golf team in college golf. And so I think that we really just have to clean up some of the stroke play events. Um, that's the only thing I can think of that we need to do better uh, is play better in stroke play. And it's not that we're, that we're playing bad, but we just got to – I know I made some mistakes this semester, and I'm sure other guys would ad- admit to that as well. Um, but if we can just, um, I guess people say catch a run um, in Arizona just for four days, there's going to be literally no team that can beat us in match play. Uh, I'll stand by that um, after I graduate just because uh, we have, you know, the statistics to prove that, and we have two match play championship titles, and I'm just really itching to get into the national or into the match play portion because that's the best format in golf. Well, and so that's going to require us to have a good spring season, build momentum leading to the to the championship, and a, a lot. I'm glad you say that because you've put yourself out there. I like that, and I I really feel like we have a team that understands that concept. Uh, we just need to get there. So we got a little work to do, but we have a great group. Have uh, with you and Colin back. We have a large team. It's a little mm-hmm. bigger than normal. It's twelve instead of nine or ten, so it's a little bit bigger than it would be. But a lot of experienced players. So really excited about that. So don't know exactly when this will air relative to Thanksgiving and Christmas, but I want to wish you uh, a great Christmas and Thanksgiving with your family, and uh, hopefully everybody stays safe. 
And I just want to say thanks for all the sacrifices you've made during your time here. But you and I have some unfinished business, so <laughs> we got to. But thank you very much. Yeah, thanks Cooper. for having me coach and coach. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks a lot, Cooper. Take care.